Hello, my name is Gustav Hoyer, and I am a composer. Welcome to the Anachronism Podcast. In our last episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Amanda Cook, and we talked about what it is in the classical tradition that keeps her interested and why she is a part of I Care If You Listen, an online journal. Today we're going to return back to some of our initial conversations and we're going to spend this episode considering another piece of music, a piece of music I've written called Charge of the Light Brigade. And I open with the question, can a piece of music be pictorial? And if you've never experienced what's called programmatic music, then this might be an interesting episode to open your ears to a new way of listening. Programmatic music is old, and it's as old as composers, in fact, and it's music that tells a story but doesn't use words. Music that, unlike a song, tells a story in notes and gestures, and it isn't a literal story. It's very difficult to tell a literal story using musical elements. But what music does so well is give you a series of impressions. And another thing music can do, a musical gesture can represent a character or an idea. And that idea, in an abstract way, not a, not a descriptive way, the way a book or the way uh, words can do it, but in music, provides a journey. And so today, in Charge of the Light Brigade, we're going to listen to a piece in its fragments and see if we can dissect the journey that I've written into the music. And then at the end, we'll hear the whole piece, and you can decide if you're able to follow the narrative. So let's dive in. This piece, Charge of the Light Brigade, was inspired by a famous English-language poem by the poet Alfred Lord Tennyson called Charge of the Light Brigade. And as a poem, it memorializes the Battle of Sevastopol in the Crimean War. The Crimean War happened in the mid-1850s, and it was almost an early form of what would later be World War I. It involved the Turkish Empire, the Russian Empire, or the Russian Kingdom at the time. They had a Tsar, the British, the French. So it was an international mix, and Crimea is still a hotly contested corner of the world, connected as it is to the Ukraine in between where Russia sits. Um, And this goes back more than a century. And so this poem that Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote was written in memory of the war vets. It was a very bloody battle for the British, and this was published in part for support of the veterans of that war who'd come home, uh, some of whom were injured and, and certainly traumatized. And the poem itself tells a journey of military heroism and bravery in the face of what is sometimes mystifying human decision-making or even a mistake. It's a charge of 600 mounted cavalry warriors, soldiers, who ride into the uh, fire of the Russian army. And uh, many of them died on the charge. And so that's the charge of the Light Brigade, the Light Brigade being the description of of their military uh, composition. And uh, 
So as Tennyson tells the story, as only a poet can, he uses the language, not just for what it means, but for how it sounds. We'll listen to the poem in a minute. But first, I want to talk about the inspiration for this work. My son has entered the military and for a long time had a military aspiration. He's also a great lover of classic literature, especially of the 19th century. He He's interested in the history of that time and how the currents of nationalism in European history led to the events of the 20th century, the seeds of which were sown in the 19th century. And so he asked me to write a piece of music that would correspond to this poem. His initial thought would be that it would be a narrated work, meaning someone would read the poem while the music plays. I opted not to do that. I opted to create a piece of music that is simply musical without the poetic overlay. And the reason I did that is this is an opportunity for me to pay homage to one of my compositional heroes and an inspiration for all of my music, uh, Peter Tchaikovsky, the Russian composer. His famous work, the 1812 Overture, which, by the way, he wasn't a huge fan of, but his 1812 Overture is perhaps his best-known work, at least in the United States. And the 1812 Overture tells the story of the defeat of Napoleon and the French army in their invasion of Russia in 1812. He wrote his work as a memorial to that victory. And in the piece, you can hear the two armies battling. There's some very famous cannon fire that's well known and bells of celebration that are pealing throughout Russia. But you also hear the music of Tsarist Russia, God Save the Tsar, which was their national hymn. And you hear La Marseille, which is the French anthem. And you hear them conflicting. So first, let's hear the French anthem, La Marseille. And now listen to how Tchaikovsky treats it in his 1812 overture. And now, a snippet of God Save the Tsar. And again, let's hear Tchaikovsky's treatment of it at the end of the 1812 Overture. And if you're familiar with Tchaikovsky's work, you'll also recognize that music not only from the 1812 Overture, but also from March Slav. So it's musical shorthand to represent Russia. So the idea that you use a nation's anthem as a musical placeholder for the idea of that country, uh, it's not new with Tchaikovsky. He does it masterfully in the 1812 Overture. I use a similar technique in charge of the Light Brigade. But instead of La Marseille, you will hear God Save the King.
And for my American listeners, you may think, that's my country tis of thee, but that's just Americans being plucky with our British brethren. It's actually the British anthem. One thing you'll note when you hear Charge of the Light Brigade, though, is it sounds a little different. I've taken the anthem and I've put it in the minor key, and you'll hear how it sounds a little darker, and that's to depict the distress of the British soldiers. And now hear it in charge of the light brigade. It's in the low brass and the rhythm's a little different, but you'll still hear it. And so the main characters of charge of the light brigade, instead of being France and Russia, as in Tchaikovsky's 1812 overture, it's the British Empire and Russia. And you'll hear in the poem why that is. So as these two great nations clash in the battlefield, that clash is depicted using another technique from Tchaikovsky. In his Romeo and Juliet overture, there's a scene where Romeo and Tybalt are sword fighting, and you hear the metal on the metal of the sword fight. Here's that snippet. Similarly, in Charge of the Light Brigade, there's reference to sabers clashing. And that phrase in the poetry, I pick that up and I use it as an opportunity to reference Tchaikovsky's music, the clashing of the swords, metal on metal, just like in his Romeo and Juliet overture. And finally, a bit about the opening motive. In the poem by Tennyson, the opening lines have a rhythm to them. Half a league, half a league, half a league onward. There's this military lilt, and I pick that up. So the opening theme of Charge of the Light Brigade reflects the rhythm of the text. So even without being a song with the literal text, the memory of the text is woven into the way the music unfolds. From the recording. Did you hear it? That music represents the charge, the hopeless charge of the soldiers. There's one more musical tag that I want to introduce you to, and it's the error of the military judgment that sent these soldiers to their death. And you hear it in a quirky passage for two flutes. And it comes back later when the Russian army is overwhelming the British soldiers. And so now we've heard the characters some of the musical landmarks. Now let's listen to the poem. Half a league, half a league, half a league onward, all in the valley of death rode the six hundred. 
Forward the light brigade, charge for the guns, he said. Into the valley of death rode the six hundred. Forward the light brigade! Was there a man dismayed? Not, though the soldier knew someone had blundered. Theirs not to make reply, theirs not to reason why, theirs but to do and die. Into the valley of death rode the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon in front of them volleyed and thundered. Stormed at with shot and shell, boldly they rode and well, into the jaws of death, into the mouth of hell, rode the six hundred. Flashed all their sabers bare, flashed as they turned in air, sabering the gunners there, charging an army while all the world wondered. Plunged in the battery smoke, right through the line they broke, Cossack and Russian reeled from the saber stroke, shattered and sundered. Then they rode back, but not, not the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon behind them, volleyed and thundered. Stormed at with shot and shell, while horse and hero fell. They that had fought so well came through the jaws of death, back from the mouth of hell, all that was left of them, left of six hundred. When can their glory fade? Oh, the wild charge they made, all the world wondered. Honor the charge they made, honor the light brigade, noble six hundred. There's a change right near the end when the poem goes from describing the events to telling the hearer or the reader to remember them, to honor them. And this piece does the same. It has a moment after the climactic volley and the loss of life and defeat of the British Army, then a remembrance and a period that brings back that opening music that remembers their charge of half a league, half a league, half a league onward. But this time it's now rendered in a heroic ode to their sacrifice, just like this poem. So as you listen to the whole work, you'll hear each of the parts of the poem rendered in musical colors without words. You'll hear the frustration, the confusion, and the anxiety of the British as you hear God Save the King, layered on itself over and over again in irregular patterns. You hear the triumph of the Russian army as the Russian and the Cossack defeat them in their charge and send them back. And then you hear them leaving, and at the end of the battle, you hear the ringing echo of the cannon fire still bouncing off the walls of the Valley of Death as it was described. And Sevastopol has a, a field. It's mostly an empty field, but there's some amazing photographs that show how much ordnance, how much cannon fire ended up in this one particular place that the soldiers came to call the Valley of Death, which Tennyson is referring to. And it's a place where many fell. And again, this is almost a preview of what World War I would become. There was massive loss of life and guns and cannons and weapons had taken a big technological leap. And so this was truly a, a 
bloody precursor to what would be a very bloody 20th century. So with that, let's listen to the whole work now and see if you can follow the poetry of Tennyson told through the music of this piece. And a brief note about the recording. The recording was made with samples. It's a way computers can render the sound of an orchestra without a full orchestra of people. So it will sound a little bit mechanical in spots, but I will be recording this piece and releasing it with a live orchestra performance next year, so I'll be excited to share that with you when it's available. But for now, let's listen to this sampled orchestra deliver Charge of the Light Brigade.
I hope you enjoyed that and were able to follow Tennyson's masterful poem as retold in sound. Next week, I'm excited to welcome Scott Harrison to the podcast, and we discuss a variety of topics and again explore what is it in the classical genre that motivated him. He recently left as the executive director of the L.A. Chamber Orchestra, one of the more innovative organizations in the United States finding new ways to engage audiences. I'd encourage you to check that podcast out in two weeks. I'm also thrilled to announce that I'll be releasing my next album of recorded music on January 1st, 2020. We'll bring in the new year with my steampunk serenade, a string serenade inspired by the music of Dvorak. And in the new year, we'll do some guided listening of that work as well. It also includes three rags for piano, and the rags are modeled after the great Scott Joplin. And my good friend Benjamin Harding uh, did me the honor of performing performing on this recording, so hopefully you'll check that out as well. Thanks again for being a part of the Anachronism Podcast. If you'd like to connect digitally, you can visit my website at gustavhoyer.com or find me on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining.